Hi, my name is Valerie C. And welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. When I share with my sponsor some very intimate things that are going on in my life, I can always feel the presence of God. And so the program helped me unravel all of my life, really gave me a new life. So I I was brand new. As soon as I did my fifth step inventory, I was made new. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We are into May. It is May 11th, and we have Valerie C. in the studio with us this morning from Jacksonville, Florida. Very excited to have her here, and she's going to share with us on the reflection for today, which is a new sense of belonging. Fantastic. Well, Valerie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. So, Valerie, we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guest if they would read the Daily Reflection for the day. Can you help us get started? May 11th, a new sense of belonging. Until we had talked with complete candor of our conflicts and had listened to someone else do the same thing, we still didn't belong. That's out of the 12 and 12, page 57. After four years in AA, I was able to discover the freedom from the burden of buried emotions that had caused me so much pain. With the help of AA and extra counseling, The pain was released, and I felt a complete sense of belonging and peace. I also felt a joy and a love of God that I had never experienced before. I am in awe of the power of Step 5. Well, I'm in awe of the power of Step 5, too. As you read that, Valerie, what comes to your mind first? Even today, after you know being in, in sobriety for the time that I've been in, when I share with my sponsor, some very intimate things that are going on in my life, I can always feel the presence of God. Yeah. And boy, there's no better feeling than belonging, belonging with a sense of of a higher power in your life. Uh, I'm curious, what is your sobriety date? My sobriety date is November 12th of 2004. Okay. And do you want to talk a little bit about what brought you into the rooms? First of all, I did have a problem drinking, but that wasn't why I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I got here because I was in trouble and I had a lot of secrets. I didn't know that I had this secret life and then a separate life from that, uh, a business life and a secret life. And what happened was my secrets were unraveling. My life was unraveling in front of me and I was in a lot of trouble financially, spiritually, I was in trouble. Emotionally, I was in trouble, and I had not let anybody know about my secret. And that goes hand in hand of this reading for today. So when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, it was because I was, one, an alcoholic, which I didn't think I had a problem until I actually stopped drinking. 
then I had a problem. <laughs> but the second part was I was financially unmanageable and out of control. And I had told my very first sponsor about what I had done. And she said, wow, I haven't done that. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no. But she shared with me some things that she had done. And I thought, wow, I haven't done that yet. That helped me kind of get myself into the, into the place that I knew I belonged. This is where I needed to be. I love hearing that and I share that, that financial unmanageability thing with you. And I think probably a lot of people do, and we don't really realize how unmanageable it is until we get around people who are like living a normal life and not Mm -hmm. paying their bills on time. And without giving us, you know, without reading your fourth step to us, what does financial unmanageability mean for those people that might be out there, not necessarily in the rooms yet? Well, I was a divorced mother, two, two young little preteens at the time that I got sober. But I was the kind of businesswoman who was actually in the financial industry. I mean, I was high profile, high net worth, managing other people's money. But at the end of the day, I would come home. I wouldn't check my mail. When I checked my mail, I was throwing my mail in the garbage because I didn't want to look at it. And if I didn't look at it, I didn't have to pay it. I was unmanageable because I wouldn't pay my taxes. I didn't pay my taxes for like seven years. And I would drain my bank account. And then I would borrow Peter to pay Paul. And I was robbing everybody in front of me, credit card debt, to where, you know, one of the things that I did in my business, which uh, it kind of, ironically, my last name is Crooks. I don't have any secrets anymore. Everybody knows me. I embezzled money from my firm. So if you don't think God has a sense of humor for giving me a married last name of Crooks, that way I could never forget what I've done. But that's how unmanageable I got. I got that unmanageable to where I thought if I just embezzled, in my mind, I was just borrowing and I was going to pay it back. But that's the, that's the financial, the, the unmanageability that I got myself into. Anyway, it didn't work out that way. You know, it, I didn't get to pay it back and I, I had to pay it back with uh, jail time. So if you're a newcomer, you know, we can, we do go to jail still. We don't all get off the hook. That's a scary thing for sure. And I'm curious how the program helped you deal with those consequences. That's a great question because I thought my home group was going to pay pray, like pray to God that all my uh, consequences would, you know, get looked over. (laughs) I was praying that I would be the one that would, they would say, oh, just dismiss this because she's a single mom and she's an alcoholic. And, you know, if we just get her into recovery, she'll be okay and pay it back. And what happened was I I told my secret and I, I did get a sponsor and I did start working the steps. And so the program helped me unravel all of my life. And so the program really gave me a new life. So I I was brand new. As soon as I did my fifth step inventory, I was made new. I really was. I didn't have any of that baggage anymore. Going to jail terrified me, but I walked through it. I still have on my record in the state of Florida, a first degree convicted felony. And I am a self-employed business owner today. So I just recently got married a couple of years ago, but, but all of my wreckage and financial 
was all done before I met my husband. So I didn't have anybody to come save me either. It really was the steps, the program, and God. When I started paying people back money that I owed them because I owed everybody, they appreciated me paying them back their money. When I reconciled with the IRS, that was a burden lifted that I thought would never happen. So I have watched the miracles unfold in my own life. First of all, I just want to say thank you for your honesty and sharing the story because that's takes a lot of courage to to tell people. And I recognize that as a result of doing the steps, you've probably told the story a few times, so it's not as scary anymore, but still just want to honor that authenticity. You said that you didn't realize you had a drinking problem until you got into AA and stopped drinking. Mm -hmm. And you recognized your unmanageability around the double life and triple life and stuff. But what is it that made you go to AA instead of like Debtors Anonymous or some other program? It wasn't my idea to go to AA. Five years before I got sober, a client of mine who was a CPA was in recovery. She was working a 12-step program. I never knew that for five years that she was a sober member of AA. And she would meet me. We would do business for five years. I helped her out in her business. And we would meet at 11 a.m. And she would see me drinking at 11 a.m. for business because that was almost lunchtime. When I needed to borrow money five years later, she said, are you drinking? And I said, well, what does drinking have to do with me borrowing money from you? I went to a CPA to borrow money because I was in trouble. And she said, well, I cannot help you. If you're drinking, she knew. She knew I drank. She saw my life spiral out of control. And she said, you need to get to an AA meeting. And I said, I don't have a problem drinking. I can stop at any time. In my mind, I could stop at any time. She said, well, you need to go to AA anyway. And, and just for the record, my, my mom has been sober 32 years. So I already knew I, there was a family problem, but I, didn't, I thought I was going to avoid that. And so that was how I got to AA. And when you, when you came into the program... How long was it before you started to work the steps and started to see changes in your life? Well, I had to work frantically because the heat was on me. So the first sponsor I had, her name is Kathy R. She had a sense of humor that would make you pee in your pants, you know, your first year of sobriety. And I was miserable. So the only thing she could help me with was working through those steps. And once I started doing the steps, as I was, you know, clawing my way through it all, my, my thought was I shouldn't have to do the steps. I needed to go work to start paying people back so they could see I was serious. And I'll tell you, as soon as I started, as soon as I did step three on my knees, my obsession to drink was lifted. And, and I had never had that obsession until I stopped drinking. I didn't realize what a chronic drinker I was. And, and really, it was just a, a it's, uh, my life spiraled. She actually said to me, you've got to do the steps. You've got to show the legal system that you're serious. That's what motivated me. 
it truly was motivated by, I thought I was going to get myself a reduced sentence because they were trying to put me in a federal prison for five years. And one of the, the last things was she had said to me, whether you go to jail or not, you have to do the steps. You have to make a decision that this is your life now or not. You've seen how your life was run on your own. And then you've seen what AA can do for you. At the time, I didn't think AA was doing much. But I, I promise you, I was not living in fear anymore. The fear was lifted so that I could continue to work through the steps and serve my sentence. Wow. It's just always uh, so powerful to me to hear how the steps really do release us from the burden of self and the biggest one being the fear of the unknown of the future and demonstration of that. Ironically, so you mentioned your sponsor, your first sponsor, Kathy R, and she's been a guest on the show to check out her episode. It's episode 92. The date was April 2nd. And ironically, her topic was character building. And I think that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about character building. So you've mentioned God a couple of times as really just an integral part of your your life, really, part of the recovery program. So how did that unfold for you? Wow, that's a that's a great question because I was did not really have a relationship with God. Obviously, I was my God and money was my God. You know, the alcohol was was definitely in the play because you don't do all that stuff just you know, on a, any kind of given day. But I will tell you, when I went to jail and I got handcuffed after I got my sentence, I had this sense of relief that I didn't have to live like that anymore. I didn't have to drink like I was drinking. I didn't have to leave my kids where I was leaving them just randomly. And that things would work out the way they were going to work out. And so really, I had the opportunity to get really close to God when I was serving time, because you're left alone to have lots of time to think. So that was the first significant thing with my relationship with God. You know, the, the group of drunks in the meeting room was the other place, because I was totally in the meetings every day. I was desperate. I'm still desperate, because I still go to a meeting every day. Because I cannot forget what's happened. So the God part has been huge. So subsequent, I lost everything, by the way. I lost all my personal possessions. I lost the home, the cars, the kids had to go live with their dad. I lost everything. And when you're left with just you, you don't want you anymore. You really do want the God of your understanding. So I was grateful for that. So subsequently, I stayed sober. And in 2017, my youngest daughter died. And I'm so grateful that I stayed sober because I got to experience her while she was not well. She was sick. There was nothing I could do for her except for be her mother and available. And to really press into God at that time. So I do have a significant relationship with him. Because one, I've stayed sober through all that. Two, I've stayed married through all of that. And, you know, just continuing to be able to give back is because of God. It truly is because of God. 
that I'm still here and not, you know, under my bed sheets. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge your loss. It's got to be incredibly difficult. <clears throat> so, so you managed to stay close to AA even while you were incarcerated. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I did. Remarkably enough, I had already worked the steps and my sponsor at the time had said, you know, when you go to jail, you're going to be really working step nine because that's an amends back to society. And I said, okay, I just listened and I did it. And when I was in jail, I was able to work the 12 step a lot because a lot of the women that I was incarcerated with could not read or write. So I was able to go to, I had a car and I had insurance on my car as an alcoholic. That's an unusual thing when you go to jail, but I, I was able to go get, I was able to work while I was in jail. So I was on a work release program and I would come back to the jail every day and read out of the big book to the women that were incarcerated with me that could not go out to go work. You know, I, I'm grateful for that experience that I got to stay close to AA and go to meetings while I was incarcerated. There was this one woman corrections officer who kind of looked at me strange when I got to jail and said, oh, not sure you belong here, but she helped me out and she knew I was in the program before I went to jail and she knew I was desperate to stay sober. And so I was very fortunate to be able to go to meetings on the clock, so to speak, while I was incarcerated. That was huge. That's like a weird, random thing that happened. It's amazing how we, we do get what we need, especially when we're willing, you know, when we want it, ask and we'll find it. You've painted a, a very moving picture, really, of what life was like and some of the things that you've gone through. And I'm just wondering what it's like today. So now you've got some significant time under your belt. We know we all only have this 24 hours, but still you've got a few 24 hours under your belt. So what, how is your life different today? It's different today because I don't have secrets. Whew, whew. Like literally I just <laughs> told my husband, I said, by the way, on the American Express card, you're going to see a couple of charges to the doctor. You know, I am very aware and conscientious of the things that I do today. That is my life. Things like this poor little fallen apart daily reflection book are part of my life. You know, the, the readings, the 24 hour day, going to a meeting today is part of my life. From where I was to, to where I am today, you know, I sponsor a, a number of women they all are very self-reliant professionals, just like I was back in my day. <laughs> and I will tell you, it's interesting to watch them run their show. So I need that constant reminder even today through other women. So that's, that's a beautiful gift to be able to walk side by side those women that are high, you know, net worth professionals. And they're, they're, they don't really need a sponsor, but we're, we're together for a reason. And, and I, I think that's interesting. Um, my life today is relatively the same as it was when I got here in terms of doing the stuff that I do, you know, taking the action. So I still sponsor women. I have a sponsor. I still read, do my readings. You know, I got married three months before my daughter died. 
So I have a husband who's also in sobriety. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but his last name was Crooks. So I'm thinking God had a sense of humor to give me that last name so that I really would never forget, you know, where I've come from. You know, I've never gotten my convicted felony expunged. It's not sealed. I am clearly open. I believe that I'm one of the few people that I know of that really talks about the financial unmanageability with alcoholics, but I know it's there. I know it's there. I think that takes a lot of people backwards because it really had me, it really had me fooled. And so today I really have to live a very generous life, generous in terms of my time, my talent, my money, wherever I'm, I'm giving it all back. I think that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me. I have been so freely given. I need to give it back in spades. And so that's really kind of, I I live a, besides this artwork that's my husband's very minimal, (laughs) minimalist life. (laughs) I don't have all the stuff that society requires because that stuff took me out. It kept me drinking to keep up with the Joneses that hated me. I mean, seriously, that's a, that's an insane thought, but that's, that was my reality. So that's kind of where I, how I live now. And I'm married. I, I have an, my older daughter and we have two grandchildren and my husband's got two daughters from his first marriage and, but they're all adults. So really my, my time is to what we would call in my Christian world to be the hands and feet of Jesus, just to continue to give back. It's beautiful for the for the folks listening. We're on Zoom. We can see you. We can see the artwork. It's beautiful. <laughs> but you mentioned giving back. That's a, such a huge part of the program. Once you get on your feet, you figure things out. You're able to freely give what what's been given to you. And I'm curious, you know, as we begin to wrap up, what advice might you have for somebody listening to this that it's just trying to figure things out. Maybe they're a newcomer. Maybe they're not even in the program yet. What might you tell them? Mm. The, the, the keep coming back little quote is amazing because I quit every night. Like I'm not doing that anymore. And then every morning I just get back up and do the same thing that I did the day before. The other thing that really helped me was you know, the whole getting the phone numbers in the beginning was was significant for me and, and really just connecting with people. And I really had to listen to what people were saying instead of trying to figure out if I could get something from those people. <laughs> I mean, when I was new, I really had to start listening to the message that God wanted me to hear. And I, I can say this, to the people that are new or just even checking this thing out. It's not over until God says it's over. Like a life, a life with meaning can be lived, even though you thought you've done the worst in the world. You know, I think that the miracle is that you really can look people in the eye and be okay with yourself. That is just a gift that I've really received from this program, that there's nothing so horrible that I could have ever done that I've never been told to keep coming back. Amazing. 
I know I speak for both of us as I uh, just want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing such a moving story. And I know you've helped a lot of people here today. As we close, is there anything, is there one, any final thing that you want to make sure people hear you say? Don't quit before the miracle happens. Well, Valerie, thank you so much for coming. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Audio editing services by Jeff Bame.